Hey guys, this is Jamar DuBois with the Damn Jam Podcast. And this is episode 6, Predictions for 2015. This week, Demir and I discuss what we expect to see this year. We talk about tech, movies, and for some reason get frozen in a discussion about a certain kid's film. So if you want to hear some pretty bold predictions, and even some useful information about box office blockbusters, then stay tuned. I will give you then the start because yeah, you're the I'm the Did host you, and you're yeah, and you the are, guest. You are the you are the host. Yeah, I'm hosting this call. So okay, <laughs> then I give you the first choice of topic. Okay, so I guess we'll start with. Uh, are we recording now? I, I'm recording. <laughs> no problem. Okay. All right. So uh, I guess I will start by saying I'm glad to be back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's been, God, it, feel, it feels like it's been forever. But yeah, it's actually, only like we wanted weeks. to record this podcast already about a month ago. It just didn't happen because of my internet. And I'm really, I'm actually happy the, the line is already for five minutes and I didn't lose my connection. And I hope it will stay this way because yesterday I didn't have any issues. And I don't know what was last time the issue with the whole thing. Because I got disconnected like every two minutes. And then another day when I did my review for the Dell and Spiron, it was even worse. I could visit one page and that was it. But the but I think it's maybe even a MacBook issue. Because the same thing with the with the with the Windows device didn't have this issue at all. So I'm yeah. not really sure. Maybe it was an update or something like that. But yeah, let's hope this will stable. Well, okay. then I don't, then I, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't. I, I was going to say, even with the delay, though, we got two great weeks of uh, of videos from you, um, <laughs> yeah. which was which was awesome. Um, yeah. We also got we also got our own website now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I think we can cover that a little bit more after we get into the main topic. Yeah. And um, I mean, we got a lot done for for not being able to yeah, podcast. Yeah, for two and that weeks. was actually so productive. Exactly, and that was actually the reason why I didn't want to do any hangouts or anything else because I wanted to focus a little bit on the background stuff a bit more because it has to be done. And yeah, like you know, the hangouts can take quite a time, and I did spend a lot more time typing articles and working on the site, working on the podcast in the background, and so on. So yeah, that was quite important for me, I would say. So, guys, uh, you just got a little bit of a preview into more or less the background of me and Demir pre-prepping for the show. So you guys got a little bit of that just now. Um, so welcome to uh, another episode of the uh, the Damn Jam podcast. I, and I am Jamar Du Bois, and I am the jam side. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I am uh, damn proud to be back, man. It's It's been an interesting uh, two weeks. Yeah. So, so today we wanted to talk about uh, our predictions for 2015, and interestingly, uh, like Demir said, like you heard when we were kind of going over some things pre-show, is um, we wanted to do this this episode like a month ago. So we've we've had these things written in Drive now for a month. Um, so some of these things may have already happened, some may not, but uh, I figured we'd just jump right in, Demir. Okay, so I'll give you the start then. Okay, so um, I, I want to start with asking you. So, okay, you got a pretty bold prediction here. Yep. You're saying smartphones will be boring in 2015. So I know you wrote this a month ago. So yeah. you can always You can always do an alibi if you. No, you no, 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 no. I don't think so. No. All right. So, what do you what What do you mean? What do you think? 
I mean, personally, I'm thinking, okay, Samsung has the S6 coming. Could be some exciting stuff there. But what, what do you what do you think so far as uh, 2015? Why do you think it's going to be a boring year? So with boring, I meant more like in general because I don't I don't want to definitely say the phones will be bad or something like that. I definitely think the phones will be great and of course better than last year, but because they just have to. But with boring, I meant we will we won't see anything really innovating or anything really interesting. Because, okay, we get things like the G-Flex. We get things like now a really impressive maybe S6 with a metal design, maybe even a slimmed-down software and all that. But actually, look at it this way. Do we get anything new? We already had curved displays. We already had high-end, great-performing devices. We had great cameras. But I would like to see something new. But I also get... And that's why I'm saying it, it will be boring. I also get why we don't see it much because you can't really do anything totally out of the, or the ordinary because it just wouldn't come up that well. Because you see things like the Yoda phone. It's a great idea, but we also know it won't really take off that well. But it's at least a start. And I would definitely like to see more of that coming. I mean, is it, is it fair to say, um, and, and you know, actually, I, I agree with you to a degree on this perspective because I felt like... Um, Smartphones have plateaued. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think you know um, the slab of glass that we have in our pocket is is the reality. It's the limitation of battery technology. Um, you know, clearly Samsung companies like Samsung and others have shown that design isn't really the limitation. But I think we all have to agree that battery technology has not marched forward um, the way any of us would all like. Um, we're still charging our phones at the end of every day unless you have a phone above 5.5 um, inches in screen size, you know, phablet size phone. Um, and so with that limitation, we're not going to get flexible phones or, you know, um, things that we really thought uh, the, that we'd have. So um, phones and... and, uh, and just real quick, you cut off for the like five, last five or ten seconds. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's... Live podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you maybe um, just Yeah, I'll just repeat, repeat it. it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I think smartphone uh, technology has plateaued, and that's due to batteries. Um, you know, we, we have flexible phones, sort of, but not really. And um, I don't think, you know, we're going we're gonna to get the innovations in the phone space that we all thought we would have by now because of the battery um, limitation. We're still charging them at the end of every day. So, I'm, um, so do I get this right? The main issue for you right now is battery life, and you would like yeah. to see innovation there. Yes, yeah, I, th I think it's time to innovate on batteries and stop worrying about the glass slab that we have in our pocket. Okay, but the thing for me is, I, I don't see a improved battery life as an innovation. It's more of an improvement, like it, uh, like the term. But I think it is possible to make great battery life if they would just use the right techniques, because we can see uh, we, they cramp up more and more battery size in every phone year after year. But they also do one mistake: they put more and more. Uh, CPU intensive or juice draining stuff in it. So if they would just stay at 1080p and cramp a battery in it, the battery would last long enough. But no, they have to use a QHD display or maybe even 3K soon. And of course, the 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 thing you have now a bigger battery you lose since the display will take more battery again. But the thing is. It is possible because I'm on a constant rate of charging my phone every two days. Okay, okay, I have to say it's with moderate use. I get about two full days with about four hours of screen um, or screen on time. And that's 
enough for me in the normal use because I don't use it that heavily. But on one day, I definitely couldn't kill it as long as hard as it would be. But I, when I say innovation, I mean something completely different. Maybe no one did think of yet so far. Well, first of all, people are going to ask what phone are you using. Yeah. So you gotta get, you gotta let them know. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone knows I am a big fan of the Sony Xperia Z3, and that's also one thing why I said I I don't think it will be, a, or I said it will be a boring year because I don't see anything on the radar right now that would appeal to me to get off of my Sony Xperia Z3. Yes, the screens will maybe be a little bit better. Battery life, I I doubt it. It will be better, and maybe some other things will be better. But if that's enough to spend another five or six hundred euros for me, I doubt it. I heavily doubt it. Okay, yep. There, there you have it. And you know, uh, smartphones boring in two thousand fifteen. Um, okay. Okay. Let me pick a topic. Uh, maybe we should maybe some make sure that we know that we crossed it off the list so i will make it just red so we know <laughs> okay so let me pick one um chromebooks will continue to dominate education what did you mean by that so uh, i think that um we you know we saw the rise of chromebooks in in education in 2014 um they they officially have the number one spot so far as um, investment in the education sector. More um, more educators are moving uh, to Chromebooks versus iPads and and other forms of um, of of devices to um, to actually facilitate learning. I know schools in my district are actually uh, my like my daughter has a um, a Google account now, and I think about it, it's all it's almost a little scary. Um, that you have these kids now, all of them have Gmail accounts now. It's through the <laughs> county. But, you know, these kids are now Google is early, you know, in the early years. It almost feels like you remember Apple two E's in school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're almost in, I don't want to say indoctrinated into that. But, you know, you have a, you, you will now have a Google account from a young age. My daughter will have a Google account through the county mm-hmm. um, at a young age. So they're going to start harvesting her data um, immediately um, at age at age 12. So um, I think because of the price uh, the price point of Chromebooks—they are extremely inexpensive. Um, they are more or less a disposable OS, and they're almost maintenance-free. Actually, they—they they pretty much are maintenance-free uh, computers. Um, I think that educators like that because it, it brings costs down. It keeps costs down on uh, maintenance on computer systems. You don't need a uh, a computer technician on staff to fix a problem. You know, you just log out and log back in, so it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's appealing to to educators. Now, you know, this year we're probably going to see some better built, higher quality Chromebooks. I'm wondering when that's what that's going to do to the price points, or are we going to continue to see the bargain basement, lower tier Chromebooks with a smattering of kind of uh, mid tier Chromebooks in between? So I think we're going to continue to see that domination in education, just simply for the pre- simply for the reason of the uh, the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to agree in some terms because, of course, yes, for the education they will dominate. I think I'm not really sure how it is in Europe also because I don't really get so much of that. But from what I see when I read the UMPC portal, he does also a lot of stuff about Chromebooks, and he says like 80% of the market of Chromebooks is for the education market because I also don't really know anyone who has a Chromebook. Because in Germany, I don't think that's a thing because Google just isn't as big in Europe or at least in Germany. So the appeal isn't that big. And I, I get it. If you are in the U.S., 
I think a Chromebook is way more appealing. And that's actually one thing. A Chromebook is something I never tested, but I, for 2015, really have, I, I, I have that on my radar. I want to actually try one, but since I'm, I like more premium stuff, I hope to get an actually good one, some with a good resolution. Because I would actually, last time I considered, because I started to, I want to blog more. And for blogging, you need something with a good keyboard and so on. And of course, my, my MacBook is great for that, but battery life under certain um, circumstances just isn't always good enough and that's why i thought of maybe getting a slightly more low cost but still good chromebook just for the writing if that would be a possible solution and i think it would be if they get on a high enough level but as you said for the education market they are great but even though i have to say windows 10 and at least with their bing os system that is free on certain terms, of course, yeah, okay, then I have to say that these are only for 14-inch tablets made. But I think there are already a few low-cost um, Windows machines out there that could be used. But as you said, the Chromebooks have the big advantage of being maintenance-free and you can just log in and you don't have to set up anything. So that's definitely a big point. Yeah, I have to agree. Windows would be able to do all that as well. But yeah, like you said, Chromebooks do it, I think, smarter. Yeah, it's and and again, like I said, I think it's just uh, a lot of that comes back to maintenance. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Windows, you got the full OS, and you get the power and the benefits of a full OS, uh, but you also get the the maintenance yeah, associated and, with and that. You can mess up way more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So here, here's another one that that I'll, uh, uh, that I'm interested in. Um, <laughs> you say you say material design apps uh, will become boring or annoying no, i'm no, sorry not boring yeah, yeah. material design apps will become annoying in 2015 so uh g- go ahead and el- actually i can tell you i've already gotten yeah and that's my point because i thought you would think of pretty much the same because we see <laughs> we see all those apps and at least maybe if it's not the best developer out there or maybe let's say the most unique one that is known for his own personal design we see a lot of apps that pretty much use all that Google gives you out of the box and just a little bit customize that. And that, in my opinion, isn't enough because I see so many apps, even of the same sort, that could be interchanged without anyone. And you wouldn't even notice it. You, you could almost say like 80% could be from the same developer. And I think at least Falcon Pro looks completely different. It has a little bit of a material st- style, even though not completely, but at least... On him, you can see he does try to do something on. But I see so many other apps that just look like pretty much every Google app. And that's one thing I don't really want to because, okay, Google has a few good designs, but they don't have really the best design out there in the end. So I would say it will become annoying because the more and more apps will appear, the more they will look the same if nothing changes. And I also have to say I don't really like the color palette of Lollipop. I heard it will change a bit with 5.1 and I really hope to, because I like those more bold and more vivid colors. And right now they are more like this slightly washed out colors. And we have all those great looking vivid and brilliant screens these days, but they don't don't come over that well since the colors on the screen from the OS just aren't there. Do do you think, do you think that we're going to get a pure black color? in lollipop ever or do you think they're going to stick with that grayish i will say no but i will also say that is one of my biggest grabs because 
this gradient of course is okay but we also see way too many of those lime colors those gray colors and that's okay maybe people say you only see black and you see white you have to see gray but i don't want to see gray on my display because gray is not a bright white and it is not a really dark black and yeah we have so great screens out there why shouldn't we take advantage of that yeah yeah, no, I, I I agree. Like I said, uh, for me, material design apps, oh, and, and I think you hit a key point there. Material design apps, unless um, modified by the developer, yeah. it's a smart material design. You don't have to completely copy uh, Google, you know, uh, Gmail. You know, don't copy them, but use the elements and use them smartly. Uh, I think apps that that do use material design in a smart way. Um, do very well. Some apps can just adopt the entire guideline and be fine. You know, if it's like a list view type app, um, G Reader, for example, or um, even Reddit Sync, for example, where it's kind of just a list. You're just reading lists of information. Um, I think that you can implement material design the way Google intended. Mm -hmm. But other applications that don't fall into that category, just, you know, be a little original yeah. and um, you can keep it fresh. I agree. So I think we covered that. So I've, let's take the next thing. And that's actually one thing you did write about that, but I would still like to know you say Apple Watch flops. So yes. your thoughts exactly about that. <laughs> oh, put on the frame with the, the flame retarded suit. Here we go. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I think that the cost of the device, I think Apple is solely relying on its brand and its marketing um, to push this this device, um, they're they're talking about a three hundred, basically a four hundred dollar price tag after taxes for this. So that's for the low model. That's for Billy Basic um, watch. Now that's not. We're not talking gold. We're not talking um, different band colors or different band types. We're just talking about the device as it comes off the shelf. And for four hundred dollars, you could get the previous generation iPhone. Um, you could get a laptop, um, you know, and then when you talk about the high end um, Apple Watches, they cost the same as a MacBook Air in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, of course, but what would you say is um, concerned? So I think that the watch, so far as the, what am I concerned about with the watch? Um, I just, I, I don't think it does enough for the price point. I think that the, the major reason why this watch is not going to do well is its price and what it does for its price. It's still an add-on to what's in your pocket. So someone's going to go to a store, they're going to get a, um, an iPhone, and they're going to pay $250 if they get it on contract to walk out of the store with it. And then they're going to be expected to turn around and spend another $400 on, a, on an accessory. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think most people are going to do that. People who already own iPhones are going to go into an Apple store and they're going to say, hey, um, there's this watch that uh, will allow me to kind of read my text messages on my wrist and I'll, you know, it'll vibrate and that's pretty cool. Or I can get the Nest thermostat over here for $200 and automate my home. So I think the, the, the problem with the Apple watch is going to be uh, a myriad of different things, but also the competition, the competition within the Apple store itself is going to be its problem as well. Okay, but if you say the watch will flop, what would you consider to be a flop? Because we saw Android Wear sold about as, let's say, like we saw in the statistics, 720,000 devices. 
So is that a flop for you or not? Because for uh, me, in some way, it is 720 for all the watches out there. Yeah, for a first gen. Because people, people, some people say it is good for a first gen product, and some people say it's not. What would you say? So I mean, I'm I'm an Android Wear. Um, I love Android Wear, but I would agree. I think 750,000 is a flop. Um, as widely available as Android devices are, as much market penetration as Android has. 750,000 units is a drop in the bucket. Um, that's nothing for, for how many activations um, Android has per day um, around the world. So I think Apple, with a, I think if Apple gets 750,000, I think they'll surpass 750,000 simply because of brand loyalty, um, particularly in China. They're going to be pushing China, um, this watch in China as well. Um, I think they may hit a million. Mm -hmm. But I would still consider that a flop. Yeah, but um, so you are talking about one million in one year or in what time frame? Um, I would say in a year. In a year. Okay, yeah. so that's our prediction. I would say, even though it maybe sounds hard, I will say two million just for the sake of it because I think way more people will jump into it in a whole year because it's something brand new and I will. I think they will sell quite a lot even in the first weeks. So I would say two millions at least. And yeah, still, and, and still, this consider is being considered as a flop, definitely. Yes, that's yeah, and that's still for me considered a flop. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yes, we you heard it here first, and uh, <laughs> if it doesn't happen, I will gladly come on the air and I will say congratulations, Apple. You succeeded with uh, with a product that I still feel is uh, not worth its its cost. But hey, congratulations to you. Um, and, 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 and honestly, Demir, I would say that goes not just for the Apple watch. I think Android watches can do more naturally. Android is, is a, a more flexible platform, but I think that, um, for smart watches generally, I just think as a category, it just hasn't caught on. Mm -hmm. So, yep, yep. um, okay. So USB 3.1 will show how awesome the future for USB will be and a little pun there. Um, so how awesome will USB be? In 2015, Demir. Uh, first thing, where was the pun? I think I missed that. <laughs> USB will be. Okay, yeah, no, that, that was just... No, the thing is about USB 3.1, of course, the great thing is there are a lot of advantages, but of course, we, it will come with a cost. And if we see the MacBook Air, it will maybe only have one. So I think the connector maybe is quite expensive to integrate. I, I'm not sure about that, but what advantages do we get? First of all, it is same as on the with the with the small little Lightning adapter. You can plug it in which way you want, which I think personally is a big thing because we all know how annoying it is every time to put it the wrong way in if you want to plug in on USB device. Yes. Yes. So this is one of the not even big ones, but still for the daily in daily use, this will make a big difference. But the benefits are it can put up a lot of power through it. And I'm not really sure about the real wattages, but I think like 100 watts or something like that. So you can easily drive monitors through that. It it will replace, I think, even something like an HDMI cable in some ways. And you can do so many things with it. And it will definitely be a great thing but it will also slowly raise because we because at least on my desktop i won't replace my 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 mainboard anytime soon and the first one i maybe will have usb 3.1 on my desktop will be in maybe five years or so maybe a little bit earlier i'm, I'm not sure but 
it will slowly come, but at least on mobile devices, we will see it sooner. We could maybe see it as soon as with the new MacBook Air, but I definitely, of all the things coming, that's one that will be, make a difference in, I would say, in the next 10 years, this will be the, the big thing, as USB 1 was back then when it actually came out. So it sounds like an exciting year for uh, for for USB. I'm actually excited just to be able to to have the, have it be dual sided, man. Yeah, it's us. the little things in life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so let's continue. Um, you say GPE will live on. It's too early to be the end. And just to make clear, GPE is the Google Play edition for yes. Android. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So um, I, and I've seen this pop up here and there on on social media, and um, you know, a lot of people are saying because there there are technically no more Google Play Edition devices in the um, Play Store right now. Mm-hmm. Does this mean the end? I think I saw an article. Um, I saw an article on one of the the Android websites that said, you know, is this the end of GPE? Question mark. And I said, and that's why I put that. Um, I think you know Google, the Google Play Edition will continue to live on. I think. You know, you, you got the Motorola, Motorola Pure Edition devices. Um, I think HTC um, has been a big supporter of, of the Google Play Edition uh, versions of their devices. And I think the reason why the Google Play Store doesn't have any in it now is just, hey, let's just be honest. It's time for new devices. So, um, you know, Google may get a certain uh, amount of Google Play Edition devices. I'm sure it's a limited quantity. Um, that they get because it's it's still an experiment. Google likes to experiment, and uh, as we saw with helpouts, you know, depending mm-hmm. on the success, yeah. they are not afraid to shut it down. But I think it's a little too early. I don't think Google has enough data right now to say that you know uh, GPE isn't doing well, well, or it is doing well. And I think that there's a significant demand for those types of devices. It also adds some diversity um, to the Google Play Store. So far as devices, you can get the hardware types that you can get your hand on with the pure Google experience. So I really think it's a little early. I think some of this was um, just uh, for clickbait for people. You know, I think it's a sensational headline that will pull a lot of attention. But I definitely think it's too early for the uh, to say the end of Google Play edition devices. And, and like I said, that's a purely personal um, feeling with with no mm-hmm. scientific you know data to back it up. Okay, so here's my opinion on the Google Play Edition. First of all, I would be happy if it dies, mostly because it's an arrogant thing to start with, because it was in US only, maybe Canada, I don't know, thing only. If it continues, they should definitely do it worldwide, because I just think it's fair to the user. Why can a US user have it and someone in Europe or anywhere else not because the idea is definitely a great one because there are a lot of people. Okay, for me, it's not a big issue because if I get the skinned version from a manufacturer and I just flash it, but most of the people don't want to flash it and they don't even root these GPE devices. And for those, it would be nice to have the option because especially for us, the price difference isn't there. If you buy it right out, from a store here, it would cost pretty much the same. But in the U.S., people are already also used to all those prepay, um, to those contracts. And many people just didn't buy it because the price difference was big. But here in, in Europe, it wouldn't be such a big difference. And I would actually say they would maybe take off better. But then again, you also have to see it like this. If anyone, and I see this casually from a mainstream market user's point, if you buy a Samsung device, you want TouchWiz. If you buy an HTC device, you want Sense. Because if I would, if I would think of one of my colleagues, he has TouchWiz on the S5. If he would have something like 
stock Android on his device. He he wouldn't like it at all because he's used to all the features and he's happy with showing them off. And once he saw stock Google Android, he said, oh, it looks boring and it can't do nothing. What special has it? And it didn't have anything. So I think there's definitely not that much appeal for the GP except for the geeks out there on the internet. And that's a small portion. And that's the portion I think Google wants to make happy. But yeah, it's no need actually for have them still. Because of course, mostly you see rave um, reviewers on the internet rave about them. Because for them, that's a great way to get stock Android and not to have to root that device and so on because they have to review so many devices and just they, they don't have the time to root that device and stuff. For them, it's good. But I don't think it's necessary to make like 100 people happy or maybe 100,000 people happy. That's just not justifying the cost. And, and you know what, I, mean, I think that's an excellent counterpoint. Um, and that's why I love doing these things, um, you know, these these podcasts with you as well as the hangouts with our, you know, with our viewers and, and just the interaction we get. Because mm-hmm. there are great counterpoints to to everything. And, and that's what makes these predictions um, interesting because you always have two sides to the uh, the prediction. So we will see what, what the future is of uh, GPE, Google yes. Play Edition devices. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you have a pretty bold one, and I call it bold because it's for somebody just reading this on a list, it wouldn't be bold. But for uh, me, it's pretty bold because it's an exciting to hear from you. But you think that Android tablets will finally become, and I, and I have to say this in air quotes, uh, yeah, 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 good enough <laughs> in 2015. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so go ahead. So, so the thing is, when I say good enough, I mean, and yes, this definitely sounds maybe quite arrogant or so, but good enough for me. Because the fact is, I've reviewed a lot and I've tried a lot of Android devices. And many people would say something like the Nexus 9 or maybe the Shield tablet is pretty much the best out there. But if you take this as the best out there, I still wouldn't buy it. Because... And yes, I I could sound off maybe like an iPad fanboy or an Apple fanboy, but I, at least in my use, the iPad does everything so much better. Of course, maybe like I said in a few videos or hangouts already, it doesn't maybe do as much as any Android phone or a tablet, but all it does, it does in a nicer package in a more polished package and just way around. I get great battery life. I get consistent battery life. I get better uh, standby drain and the convenience of the many, many accessories I could use. And that's the thing. And when I say Android tablets will finally become good enough in terms of performance, still with pretty much the best out there. And that would be, in my case, I would say the Nexus 9 or the Shield. They still do oddly lag a bit and they have a little bit of odd quirks. And I think... This year, this should be covered with Lollipop, even though it has a few flaws still, but the performance won't be the issue anymore. Then again, I hope to see a little bit more refined hardware design because you can say whatever you want. Take the most polished and most premium Android tablet. And yes, this sounds maybe hard, but it feels like a cheap product compared to the iPad. Because just yesterday when I did another video, I, I dragged my iPad through the house the whole time and it just feels super premium. And, I, and one thing I'm actually super impressed by or surprised by, it has this um, aluminum, this bra- um, like coated. And even though I think I thought at first it would scratch up pretty easily because I, I toss it around everywhere in the house and it doesn't have a single scratch yet. It still looks and feels like on day one. 
and I don't think that's the case on Android phone and tablets. But I think we will get at least a few good ones. Okay, yes, there are good ones like maybe the the Sony Xperia Z3 tablet compact, but that's still quite a level off of the iPad. Yeah, yeah, and and just to the the aluminum back of the iPad, just to um, to add to that, it feels incredible because the iPad. So I just got an iPad Air two for everybody listening. Demir knows this because uh, I told him mm-hmm. like as soon as I got it, but. Um, the back of it feels incredibly thin. The aluminum doesn't yeah, feel yeah. – it feels very thin. It just – it doesn't feel like there's much there. Um, but from my experience with my my old iPads, it's it's extremely uh, durable, more yeah. durable than I would give it credit for. Yeah, that's actually one quite interesting thing because when I was in the shop and I thought always the iPad Air 1 already is thin when I used it from a colleague of mine. But in the shop, the good thing was we, I had both side by side. And I first used the iPad Air and I said, wow, that's super thin. But the moment I took the iPad Air 2, in that moment, the air looked like chunky. It was really thick compared to it because what they did in one year in terms of slimming it down is impressive because the new one feels even more premium because it is more compact but still weighs less but as, is as durable as the, as the 2 or even better. And that's, I have to say, is one of iPads or Apple's great advantages they just make stellar hardware design. You can you can debate about the software as much as you want, but there's no denying. And the only thing I would wish for on Apple device to be better, they are very slippery because I would really like a skin or something like that, but I don't really like to use those. But on a phone, I would definitely use a skin. At home, I don't need a skin for my iPad Air 2 because I, use, I mostly use it in my like tablet arm where I, I showed it off in one video and I have that along my bed and I most of the times I don't even hold it in my hand. So uh, that's definitely great. Oh yeah. So exciting year for Android tablets. Um, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, from, from Demir's perspective and you know what, if Android tablets, um, because I'm in the same boat, I've owned every Nexus tablet there is to own. Um, I've never owned a shield. Um, mm-hmm. But when I want to actually play like a game, I can't get into the tablet gaming space. And I know the Shield does a lot more than just tablet games. I, I know that. Um, but I'm more of like an Xbox One, yeah. PlayStation 4 type person, mm-hmm. like when I want to play a video game. So I haven't really gotten into – and it's no fault of the tablet games. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're not good enough or they're not optimized. Completely different. I'm just a different type of gamer. No, no. And I prefer a different exactly. type of experience for it. No, exactly. My thoughts as well. But I also have to say when I had the Nexus 9 and, for example, I used um, – it was Asphalt 8 or Real Racing or anything like that. For some point, the iPad counterpart – not not just looked way better, but it was also way smoother because they can optimize it exactly to that. And on the Android space, you have this like general optimization for everything. And that just doesn't work out as well. So I think they will be good enough, but I still think at least for the mainstream people who don't need all the power of an Android tablet, the iPad, as hard as it sounds, just is in the end a more polished product. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the next one from you. Smart worlds, uh, smartphones will not probably get the bumps we think. They will be insignificant. 
Yeah, so so I think this aligns, and it's interesting, guys, because we Demir and I always, when we do show notes, we never compare notes. We just put them in a document most yeah, of yeah. the time. I, I know this status, but <laughs> we never compare notes. But on on a day of of recording, we always go back and look at them, and that be that may be like poor podcasting one on one. That's that's fine because that's kind of how we are. Yeah, um, we just kind of go for it. So. And what I mean by this is it kind of aligns with what you're saying so far as uh, smartphones becoming boring a yeah. little bit. I think mm-hmm. this would be a factor in what that is. So I think, you know, we're, we could see 3K displays, but I think we're getting to a point of diminishing returns. Okay. So we had Quad HD this year, um, you know, or 2K um, displays. No, 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 no. It's not the same. Last year. I had so, this point a lot of times already on Google+. Plus. 2K is actually lower res than Quad HD. So I don't even know why people call it 2K. Okay, it's maybe easier to understand because if you say QHD, you you could say lowercase QHD and uppercase QHD. But actually, I think 2K is a term that is mostly used, I guess, at least as looking on the resolution for monitors and TVs. There you have 2K. But on phones, you have QHD. So QHD. So this year we saw QHD. This uh, no, last year we saw that. This year we'll see some type of a bump, right? But personally, and again, this may be my old eyes talking. Um, though I can see a difference, it's not huge um, between 1080p and Quad HD for me. Maybe that's a maybe that's my eyes. Okay, maybe, I, I see it like this in a side by side comparison. You do see a difference, and it looks a little bit better. But as long as the battery suffers from that, it's just not worth it. Exactly. Um, so that that's you know that's one bump. Okay, you may get a faster uh, processor. We will, of course, get a faster processor this year. But for me, where phones are right now, they're fast enough. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what's, yep, a, yeah, point, but they're, what's they're, a 0.5 second load time difference between phones yeah but um, you still you still see those videos on youtube blowing up and then people will say did you see that it opened a half a second earlier this <laughs> device is faster but in in daily life you won't compare it ever to anything else and then it doesn't matter of course if you have two devices side by side you will also notice the the camera being better on one the screen being better on one and the speakers being better on one but you have to see as one device is it good enough it does does all well and actually if you say the, the the devices get faster yes with the a10 they get faster but of course they also have to push more pixel with a qhd device and then i think everything will equalize again and battery if it's going to be better i i, I think they will maybe slightly even get a drop on battery life this year as long as you re- actually use qhd displays and i think you could maybe see this if this really happens with the sony xperia z3 as uh, z4 getting a QHD version and a 1080p version because there you should notice a difference because you have a direct side-by-side comparison. And as long as the battery life is good enough on the QHD, I would maybe myself go for the QHD because it's just the next logical stop. But otherwise, it's just not in general even worth upgrading. And and see, and that's exactly what I mean. This is the year. I mean, last year actually for me was the year where I began to question my upgrades. Um I looked at my Android device and I was like, well, is it, I mean, from the Nexus 4 to the Nexus 5, yes, I had to because the, no LTE, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just crazy. But, you know, from the Nexus 5 to the Nexus 6, yeah, Nexus 6, I looked at the, the device and I was just like, there's really no reason for me to upgrade. Okay, the battery life on the Nexus 5 is deplorable or mine. It's mm-hmm. horrible. No, yeah, but see it like this. If it wouldn't be for the 
for the really worst battery life, yeah. this device would still be legit. It would still be a great performing device, and everything would still be good. Absolutely, I would. I would. That would. That would be my daily driver. Uh, there's just no reason for, to upgrade. So that's why I feel that way. Um, I just think phones have reached a point once again where they are all so very good. They're all very good devices. Um, I saw a guy on a BlackBerry Passport for the first time uh, two nights ago. And I was actually surprised. It's very smooth. It's a big phone, though, um, big big square, but the performance on it is very nice. Um, not 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 like the BlackBerry I remember. So, but you know, I think all phones right now are are good enough. I think Android has just a a great uh, portfolio of great devices, and I just don't think there's really going to be too much of a compelling need to upgrade this year. Um, even with the Samsung phone, unless you want, if if it's true and it comes out as all aluminum. Um, there's really no reason to upgrade to that one unless you want an all aluminum phone because the camera is going to be good. But I mean, go outside and take a picture in the day. All the most cameras are really good if you take pictures in good lighting. So that's 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 for me for um, the, the insignificant uh, bumps. Um, so here's something I think for our Windows users will be excited about. Um, so you think that Windows 10 will be what Windows 8 should have been? So um, I think a lot of folks were disappointed in uh, in Windows 8, but um, go ahead and elaborate. Let let me because I haven't used Windows 10 yet. Um, I know some folks uh, at my job have gotten the preview, um, but I, I haven't used it myself or anything. No, and actually that's quite a perfect timing because a few of my viewers already asked me if it, if I could talk about that in a video or maybe make an article about it. And I think this is the right spot to talk about that because, okay, I have to admit I didn't use the preview for that long because my device I use it on is an like 8 or 10 year old laptop. And I, I can't really say much about the performance of 10 because it definitely feels at least right now on my device slower than 8 did. But of course, they can optimize still a lot of things and it will get better. But I can definitely see what's coming. And and maybe it's just a small things for me because I, I think as a desktop user, you won't even see that many stuff because they what they did on this version right now is trying to unify what they did on 8 already, a tablet with a laptop or a desktop even more, but this day in a smarter way. And if you use something like a convertible or a tablet and want to switch to a desktop, it will be quite easy. But just looking at it from a desktop perspective, I see a lot of small but really great stuff. One would be the... The, the the new start menu makes way more sense. You can use it now in a halfway of like it was on 7 and halfway as it was in 8. So I, th I think they covered here the things as well. The good thing also, you have universal apps. You can use them windowed or you can use them full screen. And if you have something like a convertible, you can simply switch. So, so the, the moment you have it in tablet mode, it is full screen, which is definitely the way better way if you are on a tablet. But if you go into desktop mode, it will be a Windows but you can still decide to use it full screen if you want to. And that's, I think, quite good if you have maybe like a touchscreen laptop. So this is also great. They will also do a lot of optimizations. It will get faster. Of course, it will be more secure. We will get a new browser, which I'm actually really excited about because already I say Internet Explorer 11 is the fastest and smoothest browser out there, but it is also by far the most limited one. And this could change 
with the new one and I hope it will get a little bit of support because now it actually is uh, is able to use extensions and I don't really need too many extensions but if I get something like a good ad blocker and mouse gestures and maybe something like a drag and drop extension that would be enough for me and if then I can get the performance of Internet Explorer 11 I would be perfectly happy and Yeah, and if you are already using 7, 8 or 8.1, you can upgrade to 10 for free. And I don't see any reason why you shouldn't because in overall it just looks a bit more posh. Okay, there are people who complain a little bit about the design and looking at all the really polished system right now, as maybe Android or iOS and macOS, it looks a bit dated. I wouldn't say dated, but it just doesn't look nicely designed. But I also have to say... I'm quite sick of the look from macOS because it looks for me really nice and polished, but it, it just doesn't look like 2015. It looks like really polished, maybe 2010 software. And, and, and I think the interesting thing about Windows, I mean, for me, I am, though I am not a Windows user, um, so far as my personal computing for, for work, absolutely, I'm a Windows user. But... Um, I'm I'm very personally invested in Microsoft's success. Um, even though I don't I don't use a, a Windows Phone, I don't use a uh, a Surface Pro, um, you know, I don't really use a PC. Those products in themselves have great value because I see how they're used in the in, from a professional perspective. Um, the Surface is a fantastic tablet for a business professional. I've seen that 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 device run uh, small businesses. You know, I know entire small businesses that operate on Surface tablets, um, virtual offices that run on those Surface tablets. So um, it's a it's a great device, and I think that you know Microsoft. I really want them to turn a corner um, and really become very very competitive. And I think you know with the introduction of Cortana and um, <laughs> well, introduction of Cortana no, and their no, own yeah. design and their own and their own design. Um, you know, hopefully they can kind of get back and become a really a big, big powerhouse mm-hmm. um, against uh, companies like like Apple and, and Google. I mean, we really I mean, they are the third right now. But um, yeah, but since you already mentioned Cortana, actually, <laughs> that's the first thing I disabled because one th- <laughs> no, because the one thing they did, of course, it also relies on Bing and Bing as a search engine. I, I just couldn't find anything good on it yet. But the thing is, they put it right right uh, on to the right on the start menu button and it takes up a like i would say of course depending on the screen and resolution and so on but on my laptop it took like a fourth or a third of the taskbar and that is way too much because my taskbar usually on on a windows device has all my my folders my quick shortcuts my most recent as used apps and with this bar it took up all the space I would need. Of course, you can you can minimize it so it's just a search button or completely take it off. But since I don't see much use of Cortana because I don't want to speak to my desktop. On, my, on a phone, it's different because I sometimes just ask something and get an answer. But on a desktop, I, I am easily as fast just by typing because then I'm actually sure it understood it did understand what I said and with speech recognition it's just not the same thing but I definitely don't need it to take up so much space in the taskbar so that's why it's not really compelling for me yeah yes yeah, yeah virtual assistants on computers just they don't on on it's home not, systems it's not them, the same. It, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel yeah it doesn't just yeah. it doesn't feel right to me exactly 
Yeah, but we could also take one next topic I picked, but and I will get you the next one though. But since this is fitting, I said Windows 10 will be what it should have been, and I say, and, and I also say 10 will get way more acceptance this year. But also because the next point, and that would be Intel-based chipsets will allow us to see more amazing hardware. And the thing is, what you don't get on on a Mac or on a Mac OS software, you get you get the MacBook Air, you get the MacBook Pro, and then you get the desktop devices. But Pretty much that's it. You get the iPad, but that's iOS and not anymore a desktop system. But with Windows 10, you get a tablet. You get many different sizes of tablets. You get convertibles. You get these foldable laptops. You get laptops. You get so much going on and with stylus and card readers and everything else. And in that respect, it is so much has such a big advantage over Windows or over, over macOS in terms of flexibility and versatility. And with those new Intel-based chipsets that will give us more battery, better performance and so on, I think this could change a lot. And, you know, I think I think Microsoft is ahead of the curve here um, so far as a unified operating system. Um, and, and this is, uh, I, I think... They are a step ahead of everybody. They just have to get it right. They just have to nail this um, because it's such a great opportunity. Um, and, and I think so far as what we see with Google doing with Android and, and Chrome OS, uh, Apple has OS X and, and iOS. You see these mobile operating systems getting closer to the desktop counterparts and the lines are beginning to blur but you have the window windows uh, or you, the microsoft product where it's kind of everything it's kind of everywhere um i think that that's where everybody wants to be uh, i just think microsoft microsoft has a really big opportunity here yeah and, and one thing though one main the main reason why i'm actually interested to see that that's why i want to see what they will come up with the ipad pro or, or whatever it will be because they talk about something like a hybrid between iOS and macOS. And I'm really excited to see what Apple has thought of that. Will it be more a macOS or will it be something completely standalone or will it hook up? Will it be more like an improved iOS or a dumped down macOS? And that's something I'm really interested to see because if they actually release uh, something about 12-inch iPad Pro, then what is the purpose or what is the need for the MacBook Air that also should be 12-inch? Of course, this one will have the attached keyboard part and so on but i'm really interested to see what they will come up with this year in that segment oh yeah absolutely and i guess that actually um I'll, I'll, th this is actually a prediction it runs in line with another prediction i had which i said um you know pro tablets will be a thing and uh you know they'll shine because of the 64-bit architecture uh that you know apple has required developers to switch over to in this month so this month app developers for ios were were basically told by apple you will make your app 64-bit compatible this month um this was the cutoff for all their uh, uh does it mean that every app has to be 64 otherwise it will be kicked off the store or, or? I, i'm not i'm not sure if it means it's no, going to be no, kicked but off the, no, the that, store yeah or? but that can't happen because there are still 32-bit devices out there so right. they can't do that but at least every new app has to be i guess yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, makes sense. and and the the language the language was very general and i didn't really dig into it but 64-bit ready um, was the term I used because I'm still kind of digging into what this means. Um, I don't think it means they're going to kick them off the store. It, I would be interested in knowing if they're going to do any more app update approvals without that requirement being in there, though. And I think that's a leveraging point that they can use. They can say, hey, 
if you're not going to upgrade it to 64-bit, we're just not going to approve the next update you push. We'll leave them on the same version of the app they have now, but until you add that capability, we're not going to approve your update. Um, that may be a point that they can leverage being Apple and you know as much control as they have over their store. But I think this is where the Pro tablets come in. I think this is where the iPad Air 2 um, you know, kind of comes in it with the, uh, you know, now it has two gigs of Ram versus one gig. I think that's, you know, a direct, um, I think that's them directly getting ready, um, for this 64 bit architecture. I really think that if a pro tablet comes out, it's really going to begin to take advantage of that or attempt to take advantage of that 64 bit architecture. Yeah, but it'll go on, go on. And, and we'll see applications that, that are built for that. Um, you know, we talk about multi-window, we talk about applications uh, like photo, uh, you have Photoshop, and and you now we have Pixelmator. So we have all these powerful apps on the iPad, um, and and I think that Pro once once we see the Pro tablets, because Samsung already has a Pro tablet, uh, came out was it last year I believe it was like a Galaxy, like a big Galaxy. Yeah, Pro you tablet. mean the Note Pro ten the twelve point two? Yeah, but yeah. that's performance-wise just yeah okay if you can live with slower heart then of course it's still good <laughs> because it has the stylus and so on that's that's nice okay and, and i think there's i think there's a place for pro tablets and i think where it is is going to be for professionals i don't think it's going to be for the grand for the for the greater market though i think these these machines are going to be for video it's going to be for photographers architects like people who really really need a tablet um or a mobile platform that allows them to be creative um, I think that's where, where it's going to shine. And I think a lot of that is just going to be because of the apps. Um, and that's, you know, that's my, my perspective on the, uh, the pro tablets. Yeah. But since you mentioned one and two gigabytes, the iPad Air 2 already has two gigabytes. And I think it's quite good in terms of multitasking. Of course, not real multitasking, but, but in not having to refresh the apps all, all, all the time. But how does it already work out with the one gigabytes on the iPhone since you used it? Is it good enough on a phone? Oh, it's fantastic! I mean, on the on the on the iPhone six, it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yes. On, yeah. On a phone, it is f one gig. I will I will say this on my phone. I I did not experience the the issues I had with my iPad Mini. My iPad Mini with one gig running iOS eight. Um, I had I continually hit the RAM wall, and again, this may be just because of how the apps are designed for the iPad versus they are the iPhone. Um, but I I would continually see refreshes or. Um, you know, page refreshes or, or mm -hmm. just... Yeah, I know just, what you mean. Yeah, so it's, you know, on the phone, you don't really get that. And it may just be how the apps are designed and optimized. Um, on the iPad, it was greatly needed. And I will tell you, since getting the iPad Air 2, I've definitely noticed the difference. Yeah, I can't um, I, I can say how worse it was with one gig, but I can definitely say with two, it's definitely fine. I ever so really, really barely see a refresh. And that's if I use many apps, which I usually don't, so I don't really see it. And I think it's good enough, definitely good enough. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, again, on the Android side of the house where two gigs of RAM is like the standard, I mean, hell, we're up to three now on some, um, you know, on some phones. It's, you know, it's one of those things where it just comes down to how the operating systems are optimized and, and how they utilize those resources. And, and it's clear that, you know, on Android devices, you require some more, you need some more meat on that. Uh, you, you need some more horsepower on that engine, you know, to run all that stuff. iOS doesn't require that. And that's not that's that's good and that's good for both um, both OSs. That's just the nature of them. But I think you know this year we're going to start seeing with all this 64 um, bit you know ready um, applications and everything that Google and Apple put in place last year. What that all means. I mm -hmm. think we'll begin to see that this year. 
Okay, good. Okay. So since I see your list and I see you have a still quite a few Apple things, I would like to change the topic until, yeah. until we get back to Apple. And the thing is, The Avengers will be the most profitable movie of this year. That's my call right there. I think this new Avengers movie is gonna is gonna be the movie of the year um, um, so do far you, as do you have profit. any numbers for the first one in terms of profitable? Oh, I could Google that one. Um, I don't have it readily available because I have um, no clue what the most profitable was last year, and that would be quite interesting to see. Because I I, I think Avengers two will definitely get a lot of money, but there's also so many movies coming. You maybe don't know anything about it, and I don't I don't even know when Avengers two will come out. Is it earlier this year? I think it will be something like a summer blockbuster. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, so it, it looks like, and this is off of IMBD, and this is literally just a quick search. So mm -hmm. it looks like it made um, $623,357,910. Is that worldwide or US? And, um, this looks like box office. Um, this is US. That's just U.S. Okay, okay. Then it's, and that then was of April 2013. Okay, then it looks quite okay. But even though I have to say, no, because I think like Avatar made like 1.3 billions, but that was worldwide. So I can't, yeah, so far, I, because, yeah, so, uh, yeah, because I know a lot of different f movies, but I'm, I'm not really sure if that's U.S. or worldwide only because they once posted a list of the best ones and there were like a few at the billion and the most one so 600 isn't bad and if the second one can top that yeah the chances aren't as bad so that was so that was us only if i went to worldwide um i'm looking at that now 1 billion 511 million so it was 1.5 billion worldwide as of december 2012 <laughs> but since we are already talking about the movie i'm pretty sure you you've seen the trailer Yes. Okay, and yeah. you you don't have to tell me anything because I didn't. And the reason why I absolutely hate trailers because every time and I really try to avoid to see any, but if I ever do, I regret it after seeing the movie. Because why is that? Yeah, because it just it doesn't just spoil a lot, but it also so shows the best scenes because there was one comedy movie I watched and I I I have no clue which it was, but there were like five really great jokes in this minute trailer. And when I watched the movie, these were the five only jokes in the movie. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought, why did I watch a two-hour movie if I just saw pretty much the same in a one-minute trailer? And that one was actually good because I got five jokes in one minute, which is a good ratio. But if I watch a two-hour movie or let's say one hour and a half and get those same five jokes with a lot of stuff in the background, that's not worth it. And so many times it just spoils you the whole and what what i actually learned is usually i just um decide to watch a movie just on the on the cover of the movie and and one colleague to me said yeah you say you don't like trailers because they don't give anything but then on the other hand you decide to watch a movie or not based on its cover but i i've 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 in my opinion a cover shows you more about the movie than you would actually think because if i anything if if there's anything i read in front of a movie is the the headline you get on imdb but what i also noticed i watched like one or two movies without knowing anything of the story 
And I think that's actually the best way you can do it because you, you have no expectations. You can get completely surprised by the story because usually if you read those first one or two or three lines from IMDb, you already know like maybe the first half hour of the movie and you just wait to see what happens from there. But if you know nothing at all about the story, it's a complete new experience. And that's why I try to know as less as possible from any movie. You know what? I will. I will have to uh, to try that. That yeah. um, I I'm, I usually watch the trailers, but I think mm-hmm. I'm going to try that because um, last night when I was watching a movie, I saw the poster art for the. Uh, there's a new Hitman movie coming, so I enjoyed the first Hitman. Movie, oh yeah, yeah, but, it was nice. Um, and so I saw the poster art. There's going to be a second one, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to watch the trailer. I'm just gonna just gonna wait for it to come out. Yeah, but I actually <laughs> I have also to, I also have to mention the last time I did this, knowing nothing about it all, which usually isn't the case. At least I know the the baseline of the of the movie. But it was Birdman. I didn't know anything about it, and I have to say I watched it like 50 minutes, and I still didn't have a clue what it was actually about. <laughs> but but then I have to say also I I watched the whole movie. And and I still didn't really know it because the movie didn't have a real storyline. It was a bit of an awkward m- movie, but I think actually not knowing anything was a good part of the experience because I could build up my the what I saw was actually what I thought it would be. But if I read something and see what it is supposed to be, it it completely changes what you actually think of that movie. So yeah, that's what I will so- continue doing. I think. So on another note, we're talking about the highest grossing movies, right? So this comes from Wikipedia, and I'm just going to do five. Wikipedia has a list of uh, the ju- highest. Just real quick, sorry to cut you off. You distort a lot. Oh, okay. Okay, now it's, now it's good. Okay. So according to Wikipedia, here's your list of the highest grossing films. I'm only going to do five of the 50, okay? Mm-hmm. So the first one is uh, Avatar, yeah. Demir. Mm-hmm. That was that was $2.7 billion. Oh, wow. Um, Titanic, which is $2.1 billion. Mm-hmm. And then the Avengers with 1.5 billion, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two was 1.3 billion, and of course number five, Frozen. Wow! Wow! <laughs> this <laughs> yes, is okay, I said that. <laughs> okay, okay. No, first of all, it's surprising that Avengers is free because not the, the, that the movie was bad, but. It of course yes, it is a movie a lot of people watch because it's a good blockbuster. You have a nice popcorn hour. It's great, but I definitely would prefer other movies to be on top. But of course, they don't make money a lot. But okay, in in some ways, Frozen is surprising. But then again, no, because everyone I know saw that movie. But I not everyone I know watched Avengers because yeah, you get a lot more people in the movie because of all the children that you usually don't get in movies like Avengers. So wow, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I'm shocked to see it at number three. Yeah, I'm shocked that Frozen. I mean, Frozen how, how much money did it make again? One point five billion. Wow. Wow. 1.5 billion. Frozen pulled in at 1.2 billion. And and interestingly enough, I'm a huge Bond fan, guys. Uh, if you didn't uh, if you don't know, learn yeah, yeah, but actually since James we are Bond talking fan. already about Frozen, it wasn't <laughs> even that good. It it was a good Disney movie. It's the I, song, man. It's that song. Yeah, 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 I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but actually the the one thing because back when I didn't know the song was so big when I watched the movie itself, I I definitely liked the song a lot. But in the German version, I didn't watch that, but I saw it in a, somewhere from asking a friend and in the German version I asked him how did they actually do that because usually they translate the songs and sing them in German. 
But if you do such a high worldwide record-selling single and translate it to German, and I, I, I listen to it, and it, it's, it's, I won't say it's bad, but compared to the original, yeah, it feels like music rape in some way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, a, a tidbit about me on Frozen, I've never seen it. Oh, you didn't no. see it. Okay. Never watched it. Okay, never uh, uh, refused to man <laughs> because everybody has seen it and every I know the song only yeah. because you cannot avoid that. No, song. but I can tell you, you didn't really miss anything. <laughs> S same as same as Big Hero Six because that was actually one of the animation films I was excited about because I thought it was I think it's a DreamWorks. I'm not really even sure, and I thought that would be a big one. But I have to say that was one of the most predictable animations and they usually are already predictable but that one was super predictable and yeah I'm, I was quite disappointed it wasn't bad but it was very very average and 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 here's an interesting tidbit the actual James Bond Skyfall movie yeah, yeah. which I didn't think was one of the best ones no okay? no no um Cayman is it's number nine Oh, it's 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 the number okay, nine but now I have song. a question which was your most favorite one with Daniel Craig Oh, probably because, Casino Royale. Yes, okay, I just want to hear that because everyone I ask, everyone says the same. Everyone, no one liked the second one, the Quantum Solace, because yeah, I, I, I have yeah. to say I, I couldn't care less about a third world country to get nuclear or whatever it was or taken the yep. water away. So the story itself was very flawed and just not interesting. And the last one, it was quite nice, but it was very untypical for James Bond, which the other two were yeah. as well. They, because with, with the Daniel Craig, they said they would go very far off the usual thing you know of James Bond. But Casino Royale was the right amount because you learned a few things you didn't know about him as well. And yeah, but Quantum Solace was definitely the most important. You know, I actually one. forgot all about Quantum Solace. Solace. Yeah. Uh, I just, Solace. I just yeah. didn't, it just didn't grab me. Yeah, but uh, do, do you know one thing I, I just noticed? On all the old ones, you always remember about the big enemy. You always remember those. But on the new true. ones, I have no clue which it was in Casino Royale. I don't have a clue who it was in Quantum Solace and in the third one as well. Because you don't have these charismatic, big enemies. That's true. That's yeah, true. Something I would like to see in the next one again. I hope they will do something. But I, I don't think so. Maybe with another actor. Maybe things will change back then. Well, I think I think Daniel Craig, this is his last one. Yeah, the next yeah. one is his last one. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. By the way, I have one question and I'm pretty sure you won't agree with mine, but I had this discussion so many times already and everyone says pretty much the same. What was your favorite James Bond actor? Uh, 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 Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's actually one thing I didn't expect because everyone, pretty much everyone I know says Sean Connery. Okay, okay. I, I, I liked Sean Connery. Yeah, I thought he was great. I, I actually never liked him because uh, I don't like his attitude. He's He was an odd. Maybe he was a bit too early in my ideas when I watched his ones. But yeah, Pierce, was Pierce Brosnan yeah. was fine. I, I, I have nothing against him. Then, then there was George Lazenby, who pretty much no okay. one knows because he only made one movie. And I think there's one that's even less famous. But my favorite is still Roger Moore. 
And actually, okay. I, because he was very charismatic, he was this playboy guy, but still the action was back then quite good and they were funny. But I would say the second one would actually be already Daniel Craig because he was definitely the, the most cool one. And definitely, and not just because of the action, but his whole attitude was quite nice because they were more dark and less of this funny stuff and so on. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 to the the people who are making the Bond films who may not listen to this podcast, if you do, can we bring back real James Bond? Like Daniel Craig does good, but the brooding, dark, like sad, angry James—it just doesn't yeah, match. Yeah, but did, did we have him ever? Because when I I wrote an article about James Bond, how it was in his in the in those books, and they said according to those books, if you really take them literally, he this James Bond wouldn't be able to achieve anything because he would have been a total alcoholic. There was even a, an article where they calculated the amount of alcohol he took and they would have, he said he would have been intoxicated all the time. He wouldn't have been able to think straight, to shoot straight or anything. So he was a bad alcoholic if you read the books literally. And I haven't ever seen that on a movie before because he came never over like a drunk. And I would actually like to see something of that. The really desperate, lost James Bond who really struggles to get things done. More more shaken than stirred. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a real dark one. But then again, one thing I don't like on any on any superhero movie is the part where the hero struggles, where he just is lost. Like it was exceptionally well or exceptionally worse made on the first Spider-Mans with this Toby Maguire. Because he he was pretty shit. Well, hell, I mean, that's like uh, Kristen Bale, who's a phenomenal actor. I mean, he hasn't made a movie that I have not enjoyed. But the Batman, uh, Kristen Bale, Batman, it was just godly. You, you, you distort a little bit again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, was like, this yeah. is, I was like, this is depressing. So, yeah, Bale, I, I actually also, I wasn't a fan of his Batman. And I actually, a lot of people disagree with me when I say I didn't like really the Batman movies because the last one for me I, with Bane and everything was a joke. It was a joke because, yeah, you just have to see, um, what's the what's the YouTube channel called? Um, the movie, ju- no, no, it's... Oh, uh, Truthful Trailer or Honest Trailers? Yeah, the, the Honest Trailers and there... Yeah. They they do exactly what was wrong with the movie, and that exactly was what pissed me off. It was all those policemen. You wouldn't take every single cop and put him in the sewers and all that. So so the movie was just too wrong. And of course, the big one with the Joker. I have to say, I was pretty unimpressed. Yes, the Joker was great. He did an amazing job, but the movie itself was quite yeah. I didn't like the action so much. So so we are we we're going a little long yeah, today, but 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 we can go. Um, you want to do two uh, one one more prediction, Demir? I'll let you pick, okay. or do you want to do two more and uh, we can wrap? Okay, we can do that. Let me quickly check what we have. You say app app prices will rise on Android and iOS. This will be driven by sixty four bit adoption. Is that your? Yeah, that's mine. Okay. Yeah, yep. no, I know it's yours, but is that your thought, actually? Yeah, got- yeah, yeah, I actually think so. I think it's, I mean, I think not only because of the 64-bit adoption, that's just kind of, a, a, I'm pawning it off on 64-bit adoption, but I just think it's time for uh, app prices to, uh-huh. I think it's just that time of, of, of season for you know what, what Because what I actually noticed 
back about two years ago, you could you could get a lot of okay, not not really good because they just weren't polished at all back then. Android apps, but nowadays, if you want a good app, you have to pay for that as well. Of course, it's not as expensive on iOS. On iOS, you pay a premium of at least thirty fifty percent, but if you need a good Android app, you have to pay for it. And I noticed that because back then. I had mostly free apps, but if I look at my app list now, most of them are paid apps. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I think I think the better apps are are harder to come by free. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. within the two year yeah. period. For exactly. Me. Yeah, it, two years before it 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 was okay because the difference between a polished app and a not so polished app wasn't that big because both weren't that great. But now you see, or the best example here is themes. If you look at a Cyanogen mod theme or an icon pack or so, if it's a really great one, it just costs. But I, I get that because um, the cheap ones are made with this mask and that one is pretty easy to do. You you need like maybe an hour for an icon pack. But the ones that are made by hand, they just take hours and hours and hundreds of hours even to make for every single app. And I get that. And I, I they are comparatively okay priced, the same as, as the themes. The good themes just cost. And it's like everything in, in, in life as well. If you want something good, you just have to pay. Okay, so one more from you. Um, the MacBook Air could get less powerful but get a killer design okay actually i have to say yeah yeah because the rumors are it could get an intel core m and the intel core m itself is less powerful than what the macbook air right now has but the, the thing is also it depends on what core m it will get if it would get the most low um the low model uh, low, um the lowest model then it could be slightly less powerful but if it gets maybe a higher one then it could in in certain situations become the same but i also have to say i at first when i heard about the m they said it would be about at the level of an y series cpu from intel which i used only on one device and definitely wasn't happy about but maybe it was a quirky device itself but using m on i think i did it on two devices right now the performance was absolutely good enough for everything i could do anything i wanted and if they packed a good core m into the macbook air and we know mac os is a little bit i would say less stressing on the hardware because it can take better advantage since it's better optimized. The Core M could replace the current MacBook Air in terms of performance and you most probably won't even see a hit. But there's also the one, if they actually produce a Retina MacBook Air, it will drain more battery. And so far, what I've seen from Core M, the battery life is not good. And I have no clue why, because I had a 13.3 inch with a Core i5 U-series and with a Core M and the U-series was even better than the M and that definitely shouldn't be the case so uh. but in terms of killer design yes it will be super thin super sl- small bezels i think and so on but yeah i i think i will stay with the macbook pro because it's just in the end the more powerful thing and so guys that's uh our 2015 predictions we had more we always have more yeah uh but we have to we have to stop ourselves at some point and save some stuff for the next episode. Not that we're going to talk about predictions. Yeah. Um. So uh, I would say you know uh you know stick around, stay tuned. Uh, we have a lot of ideas. Um. Actually, Demir, one last prediction from me. Mm-hmm. I think uh 2015, my prediction for the Damn Jam podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. I think we're going to see a lot of growth. Uh. I think it's going to be a hard year for both of us. Yeah. Uh, to try to get things going um 
You're still I there? have successes. Oh, yes. you, you cut off the last five seconds, maybe. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can hear you already. Yeah. So Good. You... That's like the Verizon thing. Um, no, I, mean, I don't think we're going to have a super successful year so far as, um, you know, huge growth. But I think we're going to have some successes so far as uh, getting everything laid out. Yeah, What about and, you? yeah, and I think also in the end for us, we, we since we don't even have anything premium, so we could get paid off. It is definitely for the fun right now and in the action. But there's one actually exciting thing because I was talking, I was on Hangouts talking with one of the with the owner of TapTech. Dot de and I was talking a little bit about him and I asked him how long it did take for him for the site to came to became profitable and to could live of it and he said two and a half years and I have to say two and a half years actually is extremely extremely fast because you have, okay he said during those two and a half years it was more he did of course work since then because he, he definitely couldn't live of that which he can now and the site has grown he has more writers now and they do mostly tests and I, they have a lot of ads they live off because without the ads it's not possible because they also which a lot of at least all the english sites do they have one thing in common they have editorials which this site doesn't have at all they only have tests and news and i think actually the if they would have editorials they say it takes up a lot of time and it just doesn't bring enough money and we are at the point where i i would say if we could become what i don't say at all in two and a half years be profitable it would be amazing but since we don't even do anything that could give us money that's not out but yeah that's not even the intention at least not right now yeah and and i think demir and i both feel like um uh, i think we would just over overgo ads if we could completely um I, we're not we're not gonna inundate you guys with ads so we get clicks and okay maybe at one point we will go the paid way on a Because right now we use the WordPress free version and maybe we will go maybe Squarespace. Oh, yeah. All, so we can add ads. But we will definitely not... Because the way I saw it last time, because I thought I got a few donations from my YouTube account and I it would be enough to cover one year of, of this premium space. Almost about that. And I would actually be fine enough if we make enough money of the ads just to cover our web space and so on. And, yeah, and we yeah, could maybe nice. go premium as well on, on the podcast because right now the podcast, and maybe some of you notice this if they want to download it, we don't have the fastest server because it's a free server. That's If we could get to SoundCloud and so on, it would definitely be a great thing. And there's also one thing I, t I took into consideration, maybe going like the Patreon way. But, yeah, I, I know what people think of Patreon and I know what I said about Patreon. And I feel almost if I, if I would betray those people because I said bad stuff about Patreon myself and then would use it myself. But I also think if I ever or we both would do Patreon, I definitely would do it in a different way. Because right now Patreon works like this. You have these different stages where people donate like $1, $5, $10 and so on. And the more you pay, the more you get. But that is actually the one thing that I don't like about this whole Patreon stuff. Because why should any user have more permissions or be have just I don't even know how to say this well. I've, I've, why privileges? Yeah. Why should he have more privileges just by paying us? And that's why I wouldn't have levels. If you want to donate, okay. And if you do, you won't 
get anything more than anyone else that doesn't because I think that's the that's the fair way because I otherwise I think it's like paying someone and that's something I'm not okay with if you want to pay it's or uh, uh, let's say donate it's fine but if you don't you won't have any drawbacks from that because I, I noticed a lot of people are unhappy when they see this and they say why should i pay to get more content or most channels do it like this they they offer you their content just earlier maybe a day earlier two days earlier or you get an extra video that no one else can say and i'm not okay with that because everyone should get the same amount of uh, of content yeah yeah, yeah I, I couldn't have said it better myself and hell it's the internet you know what google it and it will come up there's there's nothing original or it's very hard to be original on the internet so. No, it's it's not just that, <laughs> but it's it's the thing that I I think you shouldn't have to pay for something like YouTube that is free or a podcast that is free. If you want to support it, it's great because a lot of people say donate so the lights stay turned on. That's a good thing because yep. if we would just get the costs covered for the web space and the sound and the web space we need. That would be fine. And if you make a little bit of money to maybe do something, because I'm pretty sure you would do the same as I. If we get any extra money, you would actually use it again just for that again. Because yep. all, all the money That's I made, it. yeah, because all the money I made so far on YouTube, I invested on better equipment and gear. And it's not like I ever bought something of that for my own and used it. So, and I think you're pretty much the same with me. Yep. No, nope, it's the same. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We just we just get a premium server or something like that with, exactly. the, with the money we did get. So anyway, all right. So we're an hour and 22 minutes in. We're going to cut it off right here. We we will definitely be back. Yep. Um, I have uh, another week and a half hiatus. So uh, the damn part of the damn jam <laughs> may fly solo for one episode if he, if he records next week. I'm not sure. If I get a good topic, then yes. Otherwise, I'll I'll wait for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank. <laughs> nothing to fix. Um, so, uh, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and I'm gonna turn it over for Demir. If you wanna uh, final words, final thoughts. Yes, uh, again, if you wanna follow us, I don't wanna make this any longer. If you wanna follow us, just look into the show notes. All the links should be there. You can follow us on YouTube, Google Plus, or wherever you want. The links will be there. And if you maybe think about supporting us, either contact me or you could you could use the paypal account that is also in the damn jam community so it is i think it's uncensoredtech.gmail.com if you want to donate money in any case i'm not asking for any money but i'm just saying if you like what we do and want to see more of that or at least to make sure we will stay there then yes that's the thing if you want us to get better equipment <laughs> no, right right now it's not for the equipment i think we both have good enough equipment at least for the podcast definitely both great stuff and it's more about the web space and so on because i would like to get premium because if we would go squarespace or wordpress premium we would have more plugins and and, and i think the the reader would benefit from that as well absolutely yeah okay so this is it for episode, I think it was, or oh, I have no clue what it was. <laughs> we'll cover it. We'll no, cover I, it. I think it's, it's, it's episode six, but it it's, doesn't really matter because if you watch it so long, it doesn't matter anyways. So I would say bye until next time.